this is WWE Hall of Famer, the Think Howard Finkel, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. Speak to me, Warrior! You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. They think they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast. Now can you dig that sucker? <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another wrestling podcast. I'm Jonathan Benjamin. And I'm Steve Credo. And Steve, today is a a monumentous occasion. We are at episode number 69. What do you think about that? 69. Wow. That's amazing, Jonathan. Uh, One number uh, less than 70, but we're at 69. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that's correct. <laughs> Did you major in math in college? I, I was an art student, so math, pff, forget about it. Sixty-nine, okay. man, it brings me back to the good old Bill and Ted's uh, excellent adventure days, you know. Which oh, I got you, I got you. That's it. Um, today we have another great show. Dare I say, best show ever? I'm gonna hold you to it. All right. Well, we have none other than former WWE referee, my one of my favorites because he got to ref all the women's matches. Mr. Jack Dones joining us today on another wrestling podcast. That's great, guys. Uh, we've we've talked to very few refs before, so this should be a little bit of a treat for all the uh, the fans out there and any uh, future refs listening. Maybe. Uh, we could dive into the mind of uh, the referee and uh, learn a little bit about some rules and stuff, right? Absolutely. This, um, for all of you that are listening today, it's obviously, it's SummerSlam weekend. It's 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 here. It's in our backyard. But we're not going to be talking just about that. We're talking about any and everything in the world of professional wrestling. And that's kind of what sets us apart at here at another wrestling podcast so today i think you hit it right on the head steve today we're going to talk about the rules that's against of- the rule hitting right on the head right yes that is uh open we fist. Are- open fist we are going to be talking wrestling rules today we all know the wrestling rules but we're going to be talking about wrestling rules today ah see what he did there get it and if you didn't see what i did there you have 68 other opportunities to see exactly what we did here by going to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com and listening to all of our 68 previous shows steve what are they gonna hear whenever they go back and check some of these shows out jonathan that's the beauty about another wrestling podcast because you know Thousands of other shows talk about Raw and SmackDown and Lucha Underground and Impact and Ring of Honor and Global Force Wrestling. Uh, we talk about it too, but we talk about topics. We keep it topical, you know, from uh, 
from tag team matches, from uh, you know greatest uh, rivalries, uh, you know anything and everything that has to do with a topic. You know, like we could talk days on end about what we're seeing on TV. But guys, you watched it. I watched it. Let's move on to a topic that we all enjoy. And uh, you know, there's thousands of topics to talk about in the world of professional wrestling, and we're only on 69 topics right now today. So go back, listen to 68 other topics that we talked about on anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. And you know, hey guys, you could do it any time of day, night, uh, and at, at, at your leisure. Go back and listen to anything that we've done before. So it's uh, it's one of those things that are evergreen. They like to call it. Well, when you're listening to our show. Um, this this show's free. You don't have to pay anything. Um, I want you to go and do something for us. Like our show. You know, follow us on the various forms of social media. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And and rate and review us. We do a lot of work making these shows, and we just ask that you could go and do something for us. So while you're on the interwebs, just. Just show us some love. That's all I'm asking. It takes like five seconds, right? Not even. Not even. So, you help us, we help you. All right. Well, I think that we we got we got into it. You know, this is a good opening to the show today. But Steve, I want to talk about the rules of wrestling. So, for anybody who stumbled upon this podcast who may not know about the rules of professional wrestling, yes, there are rules. In professional wrestling. So some things that we're going to talk about today are maybe like disqualifications. So if you're a professional wrestler or a fan of professional wrestling, you're watching a match and you hit somebody with a steel chair, you get disqualified. Unless it's a TLC match. Or a no disqualification match. <laughs> but for, for the most part... For the most part, no hitting with foreign in, objects. In a, in a singles match... <laughs> Uh, there's to be no foreign objects and you have to stay inside the ring to, to fight. And if you go out of that ring, you have 10 seconds to answer the count or you get counted out unless it's a no count outs match or something. I know you're getting ready to say it. So, (laughs) um, also you have if if somebody is in a submission maneuver if you've got that person in a submission maneuver and they reach the ropes you've got 5 seconds to break that um you mentioned it earlier no hitting with a closed fist it has to be open and various other rules um are are there any of these rules Steve that we're talking about that you just kind of never really understood why they do it the way they do it yeah, um, I mean, there's a there's a lot of I'm, I'm I'm thinking from the top of my head all the way down to the bottom of my feet of uh you know some things I just never really understood. Like I, I get you know when you're outside for ten seconds, you you can roll into the ring and then you break the count and then they got us restart the count. Um, but they never actually established how long you need to stay in that ring to 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 break that count. Is it just a quick you know, hey, I'm in the ring, I'm out of the ring. You know, that just, that's it. That, that, it never ne- doesn't say you have to stay in the ring for a second to break it. or So I never really got that. All I got was that, you know, you roll in the ring really quick and then roll right out and then they got to start the count right over. So they never really, you know, elaborated on that too much. But that's just like a little, that's really nitpicking it, I guess, a little bit. But 
Well, one of the things that I think is hilarious now, if you go back and look at some of the older wrestling, um, if you watch, you know, Stampede Wrestling, AWA Wrestling, some of these old wrestling things, you will see that once somebody goes up on the top rope, that they would start counting them. And I don't think that it was ever a set rule, but you were not supposed to be on the top rope, jumping off the top rope. So um, obviously that rule has changed. But every now and then you'll kind of see some of these refs do like a throwback to where they go over into the corner and they start kind of like trying to tell the guy to get off the top rope. So I don't know if that was ever an established rule or just kind of something that was frowned upon, but it is definitely not one of those rules that we have, you know, today in the in the world of wrestling. Sure, yeah. And Jonathan, what about you? I mean, has anything ever, you know, stumped Mr. Wrestling over here? I mean, you know, you know, you know it all. Uh, but is there ever anything that just ever gave you, you know, that old head, head scratcher of uh, why? Why is this happening? Or nothing, anything you never got? Um, I, I guess it's not necessarily a rule, but it was something that kind of confused me is when they have like a referee inside the ring and then they have a referee outside of the ring and... I mean, I just never got it. Like, if you're going to say that you need two referees for a match, then why aren't there two referees uh, during every match? You know what I mean? Like, why is it just for certain moments that they need two referees? So it wasn't necessarily a rule, but it was just something that always made me kind of question why, if it was important enough to have it during certain matches, why it's not important enough to have it in all matches. Sure. And guys, if you're listening to us right now, you know, Facebook us, tweet us at a wrestling pod or facebook.com slash another wrestling podcast. Uh, let us know. Has anything ever stumped you of whatever happened? And Jonathan, I got another one for you. Um, in a match, the referee gets knocked out, but then all of a sudden another ref can run in and do the count. Now, some matches, you know, there have been, you know, the ref gets knocked out, you know, blah, blah, blah. He comes to, and then, you know, somebody wins or loses. But there are other times where a ref gets knocked out, and then all of a sudden another ref runs to the ring. What is, what's the rules on that? Like, to where, what, what establishes that another ref can just come down to the ring and call the match? You know, we've seen people to where it's an actual referee, or at times where it's almost like Vince McMahon or Triple H putting on a ref shirt and calling it, or, you know what I mean? To where... I never really got that rule to where, you know, if ref gets knocked out, can any other ref call the rest of that match? Or, you know, they never really, I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard the official rules on that one. Well, I think that they use it kind of at their leisure. Sometimes the count doesn't count, and sometimes it does. Uh, it's also one of those things, too, is a special guest referee. Um, I guess if somebody, the GM or the president or the commissioner, endowed them with the power to be a uh, a referee that I guess their count actually does count. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very confusing. I want, I want to see the official rule book of professional wrestling, and I have yet to see one. So <laughs> um, maybe, maybe we get cracking on that. That's right, guys. Uh, Jonathan, I mean, a lot of, a lot of rules in wrestling. Um, some they just never go over. Some that, you know, it's pretty obvious of what's happening. Uh, what about in tag matches, you know? Do they still use that rope in the corner? Some people do, some people don't. I don't know. Is it even there anymore? It's where you can it's only there. make a tag? Yeah, the tag rope is still there, but it's not very, or it's not used very often. And then, speaking of tag team wrestling, there's the 
the Freebird rule, which is what New Day is using right now. And if you're unfamiliar with the Freebird rule, it was made famous by the fabulous Freebirds, in which that any two members of that team could be the tag team. So, like Los Matadores, there's just two people. Um, Titus O'Neil and Darren Young, there's only two people. Um, but if you're New Day, it makes it a little hard for your opponent to guess who they're going to be facing. They can't really prepare for the match very well because it could be Xavier Woods and Big E, or it could be Kofi and Big E, or it could be Kofi and Xavier, or Big E and Kofi. I think I said all the combinations. Regardless, <laughs> that is the Freebird rule, and uh, apparently, you know, it's it's all legal. Wow. Uh, man, they really need to refresh the rules, I guess, because, you know, you kind of just take it for granted every day when you watch it. But then, you know, sometimes they throw in a new rule that you just really don't get. You're like, huh? What happened? Uh, so it, it is funny. If we definitely had, like, a whole list or whole booklet of pro wrestling rules, I would definitely love to, to read up on uh, read up upon it. So uh, read up on it, you know? Yeah, and Steve, one of the things that we've uh, failed to mention so far is banned maneuvers. Ah, that's right. Now, if you look back at the time when Jerry Lawler was fighting Andy Kaufman in Memphis, the pile driver was a banned maneuver. So after he used that maneuver on Andy Kaufman, he got disqualified. Um, it is not a banned maneuver so much nowadays, but it is not used by anybody really other than Undertaker um, because it is a dangerous move. And if you research this, or if you're just a walking encyclopedia Britannica of wrestling knowledge such as myself, you do know that there are certain band maneuvers in the WWE repertoire. So there are maneuvers like Gregory Helms' Vertebraker that is outlawed and uh, several other maneuvers that you would be surprised by. But one of them is the Tombstone, and that's because of incidents like Owen Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin. That is just, you know, these these moves are very dangerous, and given the wrong two people, you can have serious side effects from those maneuvers. So that is also a rule that certain moves are are banned maneuvers. Hmm. It is interesting, Jonathan. I mean, we, we take for granted the referee uh, and what a referee does. Uh, you know, we just figure he goes in, he's got to count one, two, three, and that's it. But there's a lot more to it that we're, we're just, you know, figuring out, I guess, when you talk about it. Because, you know, in your head, it's one thing, but then when actually talking about it, you're like, wow, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on that these guys need to do. Um, and it sure is interesting. And I know, Jonathan, uh, you had the pleasure to speak with Jack Doan recently. Uh, and, you know... Can you tell us a little bit about what we're about to hear? Yeah, Jack is an amazing, uh, amazing person. He is from the Midwest, Danville, Illinois. Uh, we started to talk a little bit. He lets us in on kind of how he broke into the business and how somebody at the time, which he did not mention, felt that it was important to kind of show him his place. So that's how he got involved with refing all those divas matches but i think it also had the opposite effect because most people knew him as the divas ref and you know they he got to ref some of those amazing uh women's matches so that's some of the great things you can also hear a little bit about what he's up to today and you know i definitely think that if you're listening to this episode be sure to tweet jack Doan and let him know that you heard it but also more importantly 
tweet at WWE and let them know that we're ready for Jack Doan to come back to his refing position. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on today's show, we're going to be counting the one, two, three with AWP. Our guest is a well-known referee. He was a mainstay in the WWE and one of our favorites here at another wrestling podcast. Please help us welcome Mr. Jack Doan. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, no sure. problem. No problem. So, um, how's everything going these days? Uh, pretty good. Um, I've been uh, away now. Let's see. Mark, about two years, five months, four hours, 32 seconds. Okay. <laughs> you can count it down now. I uh, miss it uh, tremendously and uh, uh, would uh, love to be back someday. Um watch the product every every week and uh enjoy the new characters and um but since my time leaving i uh i took about three months to myself and then i had eventually get a job and working at a local factory um was there probably six months and had a uh, accident um occur well, I was injured uh, pretty uh, significant, uh, excuse me, pretty bad, and uh, uh, had to have uh, surgery on um, my right shoulder and right bicep, and due to uh, some legal reason I can't get into, but it was a uh, uh, major surgery and uh, about eight months of uh, therapy. Uh, came back to work for three weeks and broke my hand, so I just uh, recently. I've gotten out of a cast, so uh, injury-wise, uh, hasn't been a great year and a half for me. Well, we we do hate to hear that, and especially yeah. especially after going through wrestling all those years, I know you had some <laughs> injuries there, but it sounds like those are pretty rough. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, with this last one ended up being uh, three three on my left shoulder with the wrestling. And my first one on my right one, I thought I'd give it a shot. So I ended up with uh, uh, four uh, surgeries on uh, my shoulders altogether. Wow. So, but yeah, but uh, had great doctors, uh, good therapy, and uh, actually probably last uh, three months, besides dealing with the cast, uh, four months, I've been uh, back in the gym, hitting it pretty good, and uh, getting my strength back, and yeah, getting back in shape, so. Well, now, we we kind of, I think a lot of people know you as a referee, but a lot of people don't know how you really got started in the business. Um, I guess we should back up even further than that. Did you watch pro wrestling when you were growing up? Uh, funny story, no, I, um, I didn't, and when I did break into the business, that, um, I was kind of, it's just, uh, the way it was back then, um, with wrestling being what it was as, um, a sport, not so much, you know, entertainment. Um, it was a well-kept secret, you know, the, the bad guys, the heels rode in one car, the baby faces, uh, drove in another car and, so me coming in, uh, I really didn't know much about pro wrestling. Um, of course, you know, I remember uh, as a child, uh, we had a, a public high school here in down the auditorium. I remember uh, Dick the Bruiser and um, 
pressure and those are some of the names I remember my dad taking me to and I, I actually remember uh, being so upset because the referee didn't see Dick the Bruiser being double teamed and beaten down and I, I can actually uh, one of the things I still remember um, my uncle uh, who's uh, done a lot for me he he was a big wrestling fan so once when I got in this it's, uh, besides my dad being proud uh, my uncle was you know, my biggest fan, because he, he loved wrestling. He got all the pay-per-views, and to be honest, I really didn't know what the pay-per-views were. You know, the fucking watching the WWF pay-per-view. And, you know, you know, I knew the name Macho Man, uh, obviously uh, Hulk Hogan. I mean, those were household names that, you know, you would see in stores. You know, I knew about pro wrestling, but watching it in a fan, I, I wasn't, and... I said when I first got brought in, that, that was most of the people that worked there, production-wise, um, you know, crew and all that, all got in through someone that had worked in wrestling and they grew up in wrestling. So I was kind of uh, that uh, small percentage of you know people that got in that that didn't grow up you know loving wrestling. Now but, you. You uh, you actually didn't start out as a referee. So what were like? How did that happen? That you got into the business. Um, that was a funny thing. I um, I had a uh, uh, a decent uh, high school career playing football, and you know we all have that dream. Uh, you think you're going to the next level, and reality sets in, and you find out you're uh, six inches too short and uh, 30 pounds underweight and about three seconds too slow to, to go to the next, you know, a, a decent sized college. And then I had some small division three offers, but you know, they can't give full scholarships and um, it's pretty, still pretty pricey to go there. So that was a big letdown and disappointment for me. Um, so I kind of was, I was lost for about a year, you know, what I wanted to do. You know, I went to, um, most of my family has served in the military. And, uh, so I was leaning towards, you know, joining the Marines, uh, follow that Avenue. And, uh, I started, uh, at a local gym here as a trainer in a gym and going to the local junior college. Um, I, um, I, going back and forth between I wanted to do law enforcement, but I also wanted to teach and coach, you know, I loved, uh, you know, the passion of football and being uh, an important part of a, a young person's life and developing them into a, a young man. And, you know, so I went back and forth on that and money was a factor, you know, where am I going to make the best living? And then I still had the Marines in the back of my mind, you know, you know, that, you know, could have been, you know, an easy avenue, man. So, you know, I was lost. And um, there was a gentleman started coming down to the gym, and he, he always had on wrestling T-shirts, crew shirts, you know, pay-per-view shirts. And we got to talking one day, and his name was actually Bill Kruger. Um, he uh, uh, w drove a, what they call Class B um, straight truck, and if anybody want to imagine that, it's basically a rider truck with a sleeper, and it's got six gears in it. 
uh, you should have to, but you only need a class D CDL. And that, he drove that truck and he had uh, the ring in it for the live events, not television, but live events. And we just got to talking about wrestling and, and, uh, you know, then I got, you know, more and more involved and he would come home off the road. I'd ask him, you know, where he was, you know, what was, you know, been going on. And, and, uh, after about a year, he came to me, it, this was just really uh right place at the right time. I'm talking, it was maybe a Thursday night, Friday night, just 22 years ago. Uh, he came and he said, Hey, the guy that's driving with me got a DUI. He said, I need a driver. We're leaving on a Tuesday. He said, would you, you know, like to go on the road with me? And so I talked to my dad and, you know, I've really never been, you know, out of Illinois much. Uh, I'm a big LA Dodger fan. So we'd go to Cincinnati, St. Louis, Chicago to watch the Dodgers when they were in town. But other than that, you know, I didn't do much traveling. Um, so I talked to my dad and I'm like, you know what, I'll give it a shot. You know, it's, uh, I kind of, kind of lost what I want to do. So <laughs> my first show was in Sioux city, Iowa. Never forget. Uh, we drove there and back to the live events. Um, we just had the ring and then some small lights above. We didn't do that. They usually hired a local company, bring in some lights and a sound system if the building didn't have it. And he said, what should we do? And it's playing the music. When the guys come out, you play the music, shut it off, play the next guys, come up, take their jackets. Um, and then after the match, you play the winner's music. And then he refereed. So what we would do, we'd get there uh, 10 in the morning at that time and uh, build the ring. Um, we'd have usually four guys locally. We'd build the ring. Um, have a couple hours downtime and then showtime, you know, he would referee and I would do that job. And I don't ever, uh, uh, forget it was, um, the Beverly brothers. Uh, it was my first time playing music and they got in the ring and they opened their cage and they're walking around and they're in there and I'm like, okay, well, I spend that time. I shut off the music and then, they go to approach the corners to get up on the corners and open their tape. So they're looking back like, who just did that? And I remember uh, Jack Jack Liza was the uh, production manager at the time and the agent for the show. And he came over. This is my very first show. He came over and just came unglued. I think I was called every name in the book. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it just crushed me. I tears welting up my eye and I'm like, you know, I've never done this, you know, and and so we got through the night pretty good. Um this uh Rick Flair had come over and was running a uh angle with uh Bret Hart. So uh I go and take uh uh Flair's uh Rick Flair's uh robe at the time and I folded it up real nice and neat and Locker room at that time had a nice carpet in there, so I set it down next to his bags. Um, after the show, I just walk in there to make sure you know everybody got their stuff, everything's okay, and and Flair just comes unglued on me. He says, "Who are you?" And I said, "You know, I'm Jack. It's my first night." And and he did his Flair promo on me and uh, says, uh, 
this rope costs more and you'll make five years in this business, kid. So don't you ever set this down on the ground. Do you know who I am? And, and uh, to now this day, I'm thinking, was it a rib on me in front of the boys or <laughs> flare at the time to be in flare? And so, I mean, I got tears welting at my eyes in front of all these guys and I leave the locker room and, uh, Remember Dave Hebner at the time, he was uh, the other agent on the show, and he comes up, he says, hey, you know, don't let it get to you, you know, you're, you're new here, They're gonna, you're going to get be given a hard time, so just hang in there. And um, so from there, we went from Sioux City, Iowa, to California, to Portland, to North Dakota, back home. We did 20 days, we did four, maybe four or five shows in 20 days, and we had at that time we had three trucks. Danny, uh, member uh, Dangerous Danny Davis, he uh, drove one with a guy named John D'Amico, and they basically did the same thing: one with referee, one with play the music, and then Mike Kyoto, who's still their referee and senior ref, he did it. Uh, he had a truck with Tony Chimmel, mm-hmm. who would do the ring announcing. So we had three trucks, and basically we would jump shows. You know, so if we were in Chicago the next day that other truck would be in St. Louis and we would just keep jumping each other. So, I mean, sometimes you had some crazy drives, but, um, we started, you know, doing that. And after that tour, I told my dad, I said, I don't know if this is for me. Uh, and he's like, you know, stick with it. Um, he said, you know, you're making more money ever made. So, you know, cause you know, had three or four different jobs. So you got paid for them. So I stuck it out. And after about, uh, maybe two years, um, we drove down to, um, Las Vegas, Nevada for, from Illinois, we drove the truck down to Las Vegas, Nevada for WrestleMania. And Bill Kruger, who got me on, said he was done. He, he had had enough. Um, he didn't want to travel anymore. He was ex, uh, he was in the Navy. So he had his college paid for, he had already looked into it. He flew home and that's me out there at WrestleMania. And my boss at the time was, you know, he was a great guy, but they were like, well, you know, we're, we're going to have to let you go. And I, I had developed a good friendship with a lot of guys. Um, a lot of the crew guys and production guys and, and, you know, they all went to bat for me and I like, Hey, he's a good kid. He works hard. Doesn't cause, you know, cause any trouble, you know, is there anything we can do? Well, then they came up with the idea of, you know, me refereeing and then hiring a guy on to do my job. So I started, you know, refereeing from that point and, uh, you know, kind of learning about refereeing and, then unfortunately, um, and I can't tell you what year it was, but, uh, we had left ocean city, Maryland and, uh, um, a lot of guys, you know, had long term was driving home and, and Joey Morella and Harvey Whipman had, uh, crashed the car and Joey Morella, uh, was killed and he was one of the referees and if anybody remembers grill monsoon, that was his son. And, by an unfortunate uh, accident, it kind of opened the door for me to start refereeing a lot more. And that's basically, you know, how I uh, got into refereeing more often. And then in 1999, 
they sold every truck they had, the TVs, the crew, and uh, they just didn't want to deal with, you know, the DOT insurance. So they have a company uh, out of uh, Phoenix that they use now. And tell you how the business has evolved. They were, back then, at four semis um, that would do the television, carry all the gear. Now I believe they're at 17. And for the live events, they have a full semi now, and it carries a lighting rig, a stage, a small stage, a Tron, and the ring, and barricade. So that's how much, you know, the business has evolved. Uh, the live events, they uh, have really put a lot of money into it to make it look like, you know, a television taping. Um, so, and then uh, from that point, 99, um, I stayed on doing production and refereeing. We would uh, fly into, like I said, Chicago, a production manager, referee, and then a lighting guy, sound guy. There'd be four or five of us. And anything under 300 miles, you got to drive town to town. Mm-hmm. Anything over 300, they have a tour bus, rock and roll tour bus for you. So say so we would uh, we would start at eight in the morning, and it would take about four hours to set everything up: light, stage, rain, and then we'd get some downtime. Uh, we played a lot of cards. Um, I'd you know hit the gym when I could. Um, you know we just had a great time, and then come showtime, I'd referee. You know guys would play the music, like the lighting guy do his job. Afterwards, we would pack everything up. It'd take us two and a half hours to get the truck loaded up. It'd be usually one in the morning. And sometimes you'd have three hour, four hour drive. We'd get in at four in the morning and have to do it all over again at eight in the morning. So the, uh, the road was tough. It was, uh, you didn't get much sleep. You know, you, you would usually work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, TV, Monday, TV, Tuesday, go home, maybe do it another weekend in a row, and then you'd get a third weekend off. And the three guys that stayed on as ring crew and ref was me, Chad Patton, who's still there, and Charles Robinson. Um, we we opted. They gave us a choice to uh, just referee, and all three of us felt like, hey, we're out here anyways. You know, let's make our production pay, crew pay, and then our referee pay. So we... We all, uh, the three of us chose to do both jobs. And although it was time consuming and, you know, really wore you down, um, you know, it was the uh, end of the year. Nice to see uh, the 1099 where you, you know, made, made your money. So Now, do you, do you re- actually remember the very first match you ever refed? Um, I just got asked this today. Um, I am pretty sure. It was Virgil and the Brooklyn Brawler. I, I'm about 99% sure that was my first match was uh, Brooklyn Brawler and Virgil. Okay. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. Um, and, uh, you know, never forget being um, new into the business. See, uh, back then... You know, like I said, the business, the word is always thrown around kayfabe. You know, the business is so, you know, it's like a magician. You know, the magician, it's a trick, but how are they doing that trick, you know? And you can never figure that out. And that was like wrestling. You know, it's like 
man, you know, how are they doing all this? And, you know, now, although it's come out entertainment, preterm, blah, blah, the physicality of wrestling is no one could ever understand uh, how physical and how athletic these guys are. Um, you know, I, it, nothing gets me more upset than I'm in the, in the gym now. And there's some guys, you know, walking around 260, built good and things. And now I hear it all the time. You do the wrestling. And I said, yeah, I said, oh, I think I could go in there. And I saw, say, Seth and such. I stood next to him. I'm a lot bigger than him. And I'm like, it's not about how big you are. It's about, you know, knowing psychology of wrestling, being an athlete, being able to cut a promo, use the mic. I mean, your best wrestler of all time can cut promos, you know. And, and you know, as, as, you know, and having that it factor, that charisma that draws the fans, I said, you know, it just, I get a little irritated and, you know, so I probably sometimes I should not let it get to me, but I get defensive of the wrestling business because I hate that anybody thinks they could go in there and bump around and do what these guys do. It's such a art and, you know, you know, knock on one of the, both these guys leave the ring, you know, they're of course bruised and banged up and nobody is seriously hurt. But I kind of jumped to that. But getting back to, you know, back then, my first match and stuff. But, you know, they didn't want a new guy to come around, kind of see everything that was going on, and then leave and tell the wrestling business. So I would say for probably two years, I wasn't allowed in the locker rooms. I dressed in whatever closet I could find, public restroom. Um, It took about two years to get the respect as the guys to be able to um, say, okay, you're one of us. And, and I, now, you know, back then, you know, my feelings were hurt and I'm like, you know, whatever. But now I understand why they were protecting their business. This was their living. And, you know, if they were selling tickets on, you know, what they had the fans believing. And uh, so I understand, you know, why, it happened the way it happened. And, uh, of course, you know, um, when they came out as entertainment and predetermined, I, you know, people thought, especially a lot of, you know, veterans and, you know, old school guys were like, Oh, we, they just killed the business. And, you know, it, it really didn't, um, you know, things are kind of leveled out now, but, you know, wrestling for many years, even, you know, during the Monday night wars was the hottest thing going, and people knew it was entertainment. And I think you got the guy that was sometimes embarrassed about wrestling or somebody, you know, saying, you watch that, you watch that, still get that all the time. And uh, it allowed them to say, hey, it's entertainment. I enjoy it. You go watch a movie for two and a half hours that took them a year and a half to make, and half of it got, you know, cut out and half of it's computerized. These guys are going live, you know. They don't, they don't get second chances. And, and when I used to fly a lot, you know, uh, you sit next to a business guy and, uh, it, it would always be funny. Uh, when he find out what I do, he's like, Oh, you know that, I don't know. I can't really watch that stuff. And I'm like, Oh, you know, it's not for everybody. I mean, 
there's certain stuff I'm not into. I'm, I'm not a tennis fan, golf fan, you know, and so I said, you know, that's each its own, you know, and I, you know, we get to talk and I said, but you know, don't take away from their athletic ability. I said, these guys are, you know, division one football players, Olympic wrestlers, uh, you know, basketball players, uh, you know, amateur wrestlers. They, you know, these guys are athletes. And then all of a sudden he'd say, you know, how is that Stone Cold Steve Austin? Isn't that? And by the time we landed, he knew everybody in the uh, wrestling business. And I'm thinking, hold on, man, didn't you say you didn't watch this? But he knew everything about it. So I think people, with it coming out entertainment, made it easier for them to say they're a fan of, of the wrestling because, you know, it was always that, you know, people say, we you know, that ain't real, you know, that, and that drives me crazy. You know, you want to say it's predetermined, it's, uh, you know, scripted or whatever, uh, you know, but don't say it's fake, you know, and I, and I, I used to go around schools here and, and, and I would talk to parents stuff. I said, don't ever please tell your kids that it's fake because when you do that, they think, Oh, well, then I'm not going to get hurt. And then kids get hurt, you know, and uh, they try the stuff that these guys have been practicing years for uh, to get up to be able to do that. And I said, so, you know, the word fake is such a horrible word to throw around in professional wrestling. Absolutely. Now, you as a referee had a, a, it's a very difficult job because, you know, you're out there and you kind of have to be seen and heard, but you have to kind of be out of the way too when it's all happening. So, uh, with that being said, what do you think the hardest part about being a referee is? Um, there's over oh, there. There's certain guys that you kind of see get in the camera way and hog it a little bit, and they always work with us to, you know, make sure you know you work three sides of the ring. Don't get in front of the hard camera, which is a hard camera. I know is the main shot you see when you see that direct on shot that's the hard camera and if I got my back to it I'm blocking these guys doing their job but um, the, the best compliment I ever got was um, a gentleman who I became friends with on the road um, in merchandising unfortunately years ago he had passed away but um, he went up to uh, Jack Lanza, who was still an age of time, he says, you know, how's Jack doing out there refereeing? And he said, he's great. He said, you want to know why? He said, why? He said, because I don't notice him. I don't see him. And that, you know, within, I'm not trying to be, you know, a superstar out there. I'm there to do a job. But, yeah, I mean, you've, you've watched, you know, officials and, and games or they kind of take over the game sometimes where the attention is drawn to them, you know, or baseball, the guys arguing strikes and the umpire right away rips his mask off and he's yelling back at the pitcher and drawing attention to himself. Well, in wrestling, you know, people pay to see the, the guys in the ring wrestle. They don't pay to see me. Um, but probably the hardest, these guys move so quick and they're so athletic is to make sure you're not in the way. Um, it was uh, funny, uh, not funny, I felt bad for the girls, uh, but the other night I'd seen where one of the officials actually got in the way and tripped, I believe, uh, Naomi, I think, happened. 
And, you know, that was just being at the wrong place at the wrong time. And she, he ended up, uh, she tripped over his foot. And so that was always my biggest fear. There was times that I did get squished in the corner or one time, uh, the Luger had a guy in the corner and I was trying to get him back and he held me in the mouth, gave me three stitches. So probably the toughest part is to, um, um, make sure you're out of the way. And it was really, um, a tough decision when a guy really was hurt because these guys are such tough son of guns that they don't want when they're hurt, they want to keep going. You know, they know that these guys that have fans, men, women, children, these parents that have worked their butt off to take their kids to the show, pay good money. They want to give them the best. So, you know, I mean, you've seen it, you know, Hunter was tearing his, you know, quad and, um, edge with his Achilles. T- I mean, uh, name after name of guys who have been injured and keep working a match, which is incredible. But that was a hard part, um, to me to have to call off a match. The guy, um, was, uh, really hurt. Um, I actually did the match in Hawaii with, uh, Ryback. And I forget who he was wrestling at the time. Um, I don't even think he was going under the name Ryback, but he snapped his ankle and it was bad. And, uh, you know, I'm saying, I got to call this. I got to call this. He said, no, please don't, please don't. And going back and his long recovery, I, I should have just said, Hey, you know, let's work for another day and stopped it right away. But he probably went six or seven minutes on that before they finally, uh, took it home. But, uh, you know, you know, you never want to take the moment away from the guy, but you also got to have their safety in mind. And, and that's, you know, one thing with uh, WWE is they'd rather the guy be safe and healthy and call the match and, uh, you know, do it another day. So, but, you know, that and um, <laughs> people don't realize how hard it is when you go down the count and you're doing one, two, and that guy doesn't get his shoulder up in time. You know, we're told if their shoulder doesn't come up, you hit three. No matter what you know, you hit three. And I uh, have done that a few times, and it's a horrible feeling to go back in the locker room and, you know, have guys upset with you because they've worked so hard. And But, you know, you're told, hey, this is supposed to be on the up and up. We're there to do a job, you know, like an official. And uh, we are officials. And, uh so I actually, the one match I did, uh, was, uh, all people, uh, Bob Holly and road dog, um, at a, uh, pay-per-view and I ended up, uh, I believe I counted, I forget Bob or road dog out and man, Bob was, I, I stayed away for about an hour. So he cooled down. He was pretty hot about it. And then, uh, I did the CM Punk came off with a, uh, uh, elbow on Jack Swagger. And this was when they were running the storyline with, uh, uh, Johnny, uh, Laurinaitis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I counted one, two, and I hit three. And as I hit three, Jack kicks out and it, they replayed it over and over. And it was just so close. 
And, um, you know, again, those guys being professional were upset. And then, you know, I'm upset. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, really messed up some things, but you know, that it's what Vince wants is they don't kick out. You count them out, yeah. you know, because the, the fans, they, they're smart. They, they see that they'll boo the heck out of it. And, uh, you know, so you kind of, you know, that, that, that was the stuff that was nerve wracking is like, you know, please, please take out on two. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of guys like to make it close. And, uh, so the, you know, for me, it'll make it exciting for the fans, but it's nerve wracking for you because it's hard when you're coming down one, two, and, and they don't, you get that hesitant count and it looks crappy. But, uh, you know, best compliment we got to our freeze was Stone Cold referee, I think, match WrestleMania. And Chris Jericho had done one, and both of them said the exact same thing. And he said, you know, we never realized it, but uh, we have a heck of a lot of respect for what you guys do out there. You know, and uh, it kind of made you feel good that they uh, appreciate what, what we have to go through. Because I sure as heck appreciate what they put their bodies through. Absolutely. So. Um, you know, you've been... You you kind of touched on this a little bit. You watched a match the other night with a, a female, and I want to know uh, what you did to be able to ref so many of the women's matches. It seemed like every time that I was watching a women's match, it was you refing. So uh, did somebody just owe you a favor, or what happened there? How did that? Well, it was kind of uh, I I won't ever throw names out in the past it was kind of a gig towards me um i kind of had a um uh bad taste in my, in my mouth with me and uh someone out uh, another gentleman in the company who's no longer there that was doing the matches and it kind of you know because i had you know done some well-established matches main events you know i've, I've worked undertaker uh Diesel at WrestleMania, you know, uh, Kurt Angle, Chris Noir, WrestleMania, you know, uh, did, you know, I had some great matches in my career. Well, um, they said he started to put me on these, uh, diva matches and, you know, I was like, okay. And then it happened the next week and then the next week and then the next week. And to them or to this person, it was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pitch you in your place. To me, I was loving it because these women at the time were awesome athletes. They were, you know, your Lita and your Trish and, and all that were great wrestlers. And it was great to be in there to help them out, uh, to bring up the women's division. And um, I was part of that, you know, to be able to, to be part of that. And, uh so, you know, next thing I know, I'm week after week, month after month, every, I'm doing all the Divas matches. And, yeah, I kind of, you know, they've done a few stories, and that's where I've uh, kind of uh, got established as the guy that <laughs> used to do all the Divas matches. And it, it kind of uh, basically started as a rib on me to, um, you know, say this is where we're going to stick you. And I ended up enjoying it. Uh, because, you know, the, 
that's when that division, the women's division really evolved and, and became what it is today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, most people will recognize you from those matches. I almost, I, you know, obviously I'm not there, but I think that that was almost, uh, it it may have backfired on whoever that was because you (laughs) you probably got more notoriety because of that, uh, than you did. But, um, now there's tons of referees out there in the WWE. There was the Hebners, you know, Tim White, Jimmy Corderas, uh, you know, all these guys that you got to work with, do you have somebody that you regard as like the greatest referee of all time? Um, wow. Um, that's a, uh, really, uh, not trying to, um, go around the question, but honestly, the company is so full of, um, uh, or, you know, have had, uh, such a great, um, number of referees and I'm not taking away from guys years past before my time, but, um, you know, actually, um, as far as my personal opinion on being a good ref and has done a ton of main events and been in some really hectic, you know, situations where, you know, we're going, we're getting ready to go off the air on pay-per-views and, you know, the fans aren't going to see the finish. And, you know, he's in a position to say, Hey, let's go, let's go. And, and, but Mike Yoda, um, I think, you know, don't quote me, the guy's been doing it, you know, 27 years. Um, but, you know, people want to throw guys' names around the best, but I, I would put Mike Yoda up there as one of the tops. Um, you know, I, there's, you know, been great ones. All those guys were good. Tim White was uh, instrumental in, in helping me get established um, in the ring and polish me up. And, you know, he went through some bad shoulder problems, or he'd still be refereeing today. Um, you know, but, I, yeah, I'd say, you know, I would put Mike Yoda as a, uh, up at the top. I really would. Now, uh, you've refereed thousands, if not ten thousands, of matches throughout your career. Um, who are some of your favorite superstars or divas to have worked with? Um, superstar wise to work with, um, I would say an Undertaker, um, The Rock, um. Uh, man, there's so many of them. There's so many of them great to work with. The hardest ones uh, that I worked with, it's probably easier to say, was like a Shawn Michaels um, or a uh, um, Chris Jericho. And it's not that they are... um, I have, you know, nothing bad to say about them, but they're such perfectionists that, man, if you're, you know, in the wrong spot or this, I mean, in that ring, they will chew you out and spit you out and, and just, you know, ride your butt. And then afterwards it's, uh, and, and John Cena does it too. Not as bad as, you know, Sean, Sean was probably the worst as far as, really 
getting on, just tearing you up in the ring. And then afterwards, he was the best teacher. He would explain why, you know, you know, this is why, you know, you, you did this and this is why you did that. And, you know, the, the, and I, you were learning, you know, and it wasn't that, you know, these guys are jerks. They want to be the best in the business. You know, they want to be top of the game. And if you're in there doing their matches, you need to be at the top of the game. And, and, uh, you know, it, it was sometimes heartbreaking and you felt really down on yourself, but, you know, going back now and, you know, years after that, I, I was like, you know, these guys made me, uh, you know, I feel, uh, yeah, I was top of my game refereeing, you know, with many guys, but I, I feel I was up there and felt confident doing any match. And it was because of guys like that who, you know, Stone Cold was, you know, very, um, again, uh, particular about where the rest should be and, you know, you know, being in the right spot and, and being able for the heel to be able to use the referee to, you know, make himself not to put the heat on the ref, but to put the heat on himself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It does no good. If you do something in front of the referee and the fans are, they don't get mad at, you know, stone cold. They're mad at you. Like you idiot. Why didn't you, you know, you know, he poked him right in the eye. Why didn't you ring the bell? You know? Yeah. So that was the, you know, these guys were one, they were the best in the business. And, um, so I, at that time, you know, it kind of it hurt your feelings, basically. And and then you realize, man, yeah, they, they want the best out of me. And, and to be in the ring with those guys is, you know, I and I got to be in the ring with the best guys, um, whoever, you know, wrestled in the world. You know, I, I was in there with them, with the top guys. And so, you know, I never... Um, I, you know, now look and take offense to you know any any guy because it, it was a, a learning experience Absolutely. for me. Absolutely. Now, um, if you right now, there's tons of wrestling schools out there, and there's a lot of people that are starting to try to become referees as well. So, um, what would the best advice advice be to someone that's maybe wanting to be a referee today? Um. <laughs> I tell you what, if I've, ne- I've never heard, got a chance to go down to the new performance center, mm-hmm. um, I heard unbelievable stuff about it being down there and the training and the weights and, and the stuff uh, Hunter's doing down there with his talent. But if I was to sit down there with one of the referees down there, I'd say save every dime you can make in this business because I was there 22 years and the one thing I regret every day and kick myself in the butt and it's a learning experience is you always think I'm going to do this forever. I'll start saving next year. I'll start saving next year, you know, and a lot of guys do it. You see it, you know, professional boxers and, 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 professional athletes that are broke after they made millions because just being dumb and, you know, it was like, okay, I bought a boat. Okay. I'm buying a Corvette. Okay. This house, I need a bigger house. And now you look back on that stuff doesn't mean anything. 
it's material stuff. It doesn't mean squat, you know. I, you know, if I would put away more for my future, I wouldn't be in the position I am now working in a factory, <laughs> surviving every month just to, you know, make a, my rent payment and car payment, barely getting by, you know, trying to raise uh, two daughters as a single dad. And so my best advice to ever tell a young guy wanting a referee, if he makes it in this business, put your money away. Don't be the guy that buys a $10,000 watch. Don't be the guy that goes to the bar with his buddies and spend 200 bucks on drinks because when it's all said and done and it's over for you and, and, uh, that X amount of dollars ain't coming in every month. It's, uh, it's humbling. It, it, will, it has brought me to my knees and, you know, on that part, that's the best advice I could say. The other thing is, um, on advice is get, do as many shows as you can. Um, if it's in front of 10 people in front of, you know, 5,000 people, get all experience and be, do your job in the ring. Don't take a night off and, and half ass it. Be the best you can be every match and always be critical and say, man, I could have been better. I could have done this better. Um, you know, I could have had a smoother cow and then talk to the guys afterwards, you know, Hey, where, you know, was I in the right spots for this and that? Is there anything that I could have done better to help your match? You know, don't have so much pride in yourself to go, ah, I did my job. You know, I did great out there. Be humble enough to go to these guys and say, what can I do to make the match better? You know, and if it's, uh, hey, you did great. You know, we had a fight. And then, you know, that's great, but, you know, don't, you know, always go to your talent. First of all, thank them for letting them work in your match. You know, a lot of guys, um, you know, now just are kind of, uh, been given chances that, uh, a lot of guys never did in the past and you gotta be home enough to thank those, to thank the talent to allow you to do their match. And, um, so I think that's very important to get respect for them. And the other thing is, hey, you're not a superstar. People don't buy tickets to see you. And stay out of the way. Don't try to draw the attention of the crowd. Don't take away. These two guys are in here bumping, taking 25, 30 bumps. Don't take away from that by trying to be part of the show. You are, you know, you're part of the match. But you need to pull yourself away too. You know what I mean? If you're constantly in there and they're not letting the guys do their thing, the attention of the fans start focusing on you, and you, you never want to do that. And uh, if if you're wanting to get in the business, wanting to for that fame and stuff like that, honestly, you're in it for the wrong reason. Um, you know, you should be in the business because you love you know, what you do. And, uh, you know, my first advice I ever got, uh, when I broke in was you're not one of the boys and you never will be one of the boys. And that wasn't an insult to you, but you're not, you're not the guy in there bumping 30 times a night. You never will be. And so 
everybody's got, you know, there's a ladder and you got to know where your place is on the ladder, you know? And, uh, so, you know, that part, then I, and I, I watch a lot of these independents I see on YouTube and stuff. And, um, I, I think me personally, more referees need to say no on some stuff. I see these guys taking ridiculous bumps and I mean, you could have a, such a short lived career. Um, I would never, even now, even though I love the business, if someone wanted me working, I would never let them do some of the stuff that they, they want to do to these, uh, these guys. So, you know, protect yourself, be safe, you know, look at longevity, you know, as far as that goes. So I'd hope that would be good advice for them to take. Um, and you know, it's, it's, uh, just like the guys, you know, in the minor leagues fighting for a base, uh, a position in the majors, you know, there's, I mean, even on a team in the minors, there's 10 guys fighting for one spot, you know, and be the best that you can be to hopefully get that spot, you know. It might be that one night that they're looking at you, someone's there looking at you, and you take that night off, and you're being lazy in there, and, you know, you're marked off the list. So, you know, you need to work hard every night. And, uh, so that, and, and the top guys make it in this, getting off the referee standpoint, the top guys make it in this business because they are the guys that go out there every night and give it their all. They do not take a night off. Some of the guys that have been released or have left and then complain and this and that, they got treated unfair. They never got to put, well, you were also the guy that was in such and such town in front of only 2000 people and you didn't give it your all. And someone saw that someone noticed that and they went back and you know, you get John Cena there, there could be 500 people in the stands and you're going to get the best John Cena that you that you can get, whether it's 500 people or 50,000 people every night you're going to get a hundred percent from him. And that's why he's at the top. That's why stone cold made it, you know, not only for everything else with them, but they took pride in when those fans left, that's, they wanted them to remember their match and so important. And, and these guys aren't given these positions. They work hard to get there. And, uh, I don't know if you, I'm, I'm sure you've seen Stone Cold Sting where, uh, you know, I'm not going to say a lot of, obviously a lot of <laughs> profanity, but, you know, he was, he talks on there. Actually, it's funny. It's, I, I just uh, listened to it tonight again. You know, when someone told him he couldn't do it, he was going to blow the roof off and nobody was going to hold him down. And that made him work hard to prove that I am going to be the best. And, uh, it's true, you know, it's true. With, with with these guys that, um, you know, the, the top guys are the ones that night after night give give a hundred percent. You know, so absolutely. So that's, you know. Well, uh, we we know that you're very, uh, you know, you're busy. You're you're doing a lot of things right now, but um, we're gonna start to wrap this up. I think we've just scratched the surface and uh, we should definitely have you on again because it's great to get, you know, someone's perspective who's actually been in the business 
And, you know, uh, you were obviously very passionate about your job, and I, I think that you should get back to the WWE. I don't know what we can do. Maybe we'll start a campaign. <laughs> hashtag get Jack Doan back. I tell you what, I would, uh, it would honestly be a dream come true. Um, I am passionate about it. I, I loved what I uh, did. Um, you know, the money part, take care of it was great, but I enjoyed working with these guys. They were my second family. We had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I love the traveling um, part of it. You know, I got to go around the world and get paid for it. You know, I got Japan, Australia, Europe, you know, to Mexico. I mean, over, I mean, I've done it multiple times and got paid to do it. And the reactions of the fans and talking to them afterwards, it, it was just, uh, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a dream. I got to live a dream for 22 years. You know, there's, there's times I get down and a little depressed, not doing it. And someone will say, Hey, you got to do it for 22 years. At the top entertainment business, you got to do that for 22 years. You, you know, there was, you know, a handful of guys, refer, uh, you know, referees, and you were one of them. So realize how blessed you were. So, and I just, uh, two weeks ago was, they were in Indianapolis and, um, Hunter, uh, talked to him if I could come over and, and they treated me, um, like family, uh, welcomed me in, you know, got to see everybody. It, tell you what the roster's so different i didn't know half the guys that introduced myself but uh it was strange it was uh it's a totally different roster um and some great talent coming through um i think this performance center is really uh, going to bring some superstars but you know but you know to get to that they they treat me great they're a first class organization um i have nothing but respect that company for Vince, Hunter, staff, what they do. Um, they've always been great for me and my family. Um, you know, it, it, nothing irritates me more. I don't know if people's personal business never wanted to know. And that's why I kept out of that limelight state so long. But nothing hurts me more when someone's been there five or six years, made a good living, and then they turn around and bash the company or badmouth this guy. And I'm thinking, man, you were given the opportunity, a platform to perform in front of millions of fans, you know, and uh, I don't know, you know, what personal stuff went on this map, but I, you know, personally had nothing but great things to say about the company and, and, and what they do and, and the charities and the Make-A-Wish. And I don't think people truly understand how much the business the, the WB takes in a lot, but they give out a lot for, you know, cancer. And, and if you go online and read about the charities and the places, uh, um, these guys go, um, and visit, you know, the veterans and, and the sick kids and the time that they put in, I don't think John Cena ever makes it home because <laughs> no. he's either, you know, on uh, doing a movie, uh, promoting something or, you know, doing make-a-wish. I mean, the guys constantly, and but the whole company as a whole, I don't think 
people should go online and read what they do, and you will really appreciate uh, as a company uh, what they give back to their not to only their fans, but you know people in the world and, and the uh, military. You know, God bless the military; they've done so much for this country, and then WWE has thanked them by giving so much, you know, back to them. And, you know, they used, every year used to do the tribute to the troops. And people don't realize the areas they actually went in to put a show on. And, you know, it, it, they were in the war zone. And uh, these guys were honored to go over there and perform from these troops. So, you know, that's, you know, one thing I would say is go online and just click what is. And I, I did it one day, and it's, it's many handfuls of things that they're involved with. So, well, um, you, uh, we we want to thank you so much for joining us today. We've, like I said, I think we've got plenty of of things to talk to you about again, and you know anything that we can do to help you out, we would be more than willing to. Um, we want to thank you for. Your time in the business, and I hope that you get back there. You were one of my favorites. I mentioned it when I was talking to you, but uh, I met you outside the ring a couple times. In I'm originally from Indiana, now I'm in Connecticut, but uh, every time that I met you, you were very nice. You took the time to talk to people, and you know, uh, it, it just was it was great to to have met you, and even better to talk to you today. So, um, thank you again. Bob, I appreciate I appreciate you having having me on, and I tell you, it's only the second time I've done this. We're uh, been going two and a half years, and and uh, there's people approach me, and uh, I want it to be done the right way. I want it to be. Um, if you want to know about me, my career, stuff about business, but I didn't want to ever have someone call me want me on there to say negative stuff about the business because, and that's what I was always leery of and, and stay away from. And then after I did my first one, I was like, you know, that was a lot of fun. It brought back a lot of memories. So I appreciate you getting a hold of me and let me express, you know, my gratitude to the fans and to the company and, and, uh, how much I, you know, really enjoyed it and was, you know, blessed to be a part of. So it, it, bring back a, a lot of great memories for me and, and uh, keeps my enthusiasm about the uh, wrestling industry. So I definitely appreciate you getting in contact with me and, and having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, anytime that you want to come back on, share some stories, uh, we would love to have you on. And um, now do you, are you much of a social media person if people want to try to get a hold of you or do you kind of stay to yourself? Um, I'm not big on uh, Twitter. Um, um, I, I just don't, um, never have, uh, but I am on uh, Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. Um, uh, I think there's, I mean, you'll know, uh, I have my beautiful daughters online, and uh, you'll, you'll know it's Jack Bone, and, but there's two fake ones. One's a bad picture of me. I mean, most of them are bad, but this one's really bad. <laughs> and then one of them is more of a fan page. But, uh, yeah, if you click in Jack Doan, um, you know, uh, Danville, uh, Illinois, um, for Facebook, I am on there. And 
you can, I can be reached, <clears throat> excuse me, I can be reached that way through, through Facebook. I'm not on there probably too much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we want to definitely thank Mr. Jack Doan once again for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, I really do think that he is one of the better refs of all time. You just heard an exclusive interview here on another wrestling podcast. But the way to find out even more about what we do and to hear even more exclusives is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Right now, if you go to youtube.com slash another wrestling pod, they would not let us have the entire Thing, so it's just another wrestling pod. You get to hear a one-of-a-kind interview with Mr. Pop and Twist. If you are unfamiliar with Mr. Pop and Twist, I implore all of you to go out and look at this gentleman. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. He is the balloon artist to the stars. And I definitely think the WWE needs to hire him full-time to be their balloon artist. He does amazing work. Uh, check out his Instagram. Check out his YouTube. And check out this exclusive brought to you by another wrestling podcast steve yeah we just talked to jack doan um he is a famous referee who out of the entire world of professional wrestling has been your favorite referee you ready to have your mind blown jonathan i am earl hebner i said what i said it I said it, Jonathan. You heard me. I said it. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. I know. The Montreal screw job. He was a part of it. He ruined Bret Hart's career, yada, yada, yada. But, Jonathan, honestly, you know, he, he was he was one of my favorites. Um, you know, he you saw Earl all the time in the ring. Uh, Jonathan, I mean, I don't know. He was, the, he was that staple of WWE wrestling. Uh, he was the senior referee. For, for years just watching it um i don't know he was always one of my favorites uh believe it or not you know a believe it or not segment um i you know i, I always had I, I even to this day when he was in uh tna he'll come out and he has his own shirt and, and he has damn right i did it or whatever on his shirt and he sells referee shirts about it because to this day that was such a big moment in his career that you know he still lives off it and uh hey what could you do you know the guy the guy was put in a bad situation but uh you know what else can you do with the ref? I mean, uh, yeah, believe it or not, Jonathan, Earl Hebner is uh, one of my favorites. Wow. Um, I did not expect to hear that. <laughs> I will have to go out on a limb and say that some of my favorite refs have been uh, Tim White. He was yeah. a Northeasterner. He lived in, in Rhode Island. Uh, unfortunately for him, he got hurt during a Hell in the Cell match and really never came back from that uh, full-time as a ref, but he kind of was doing some segments and stuff, but now he's actually on the road with some of the WWE superstars. So if you go to a signing, more likely than not, you will probably see Mr. Tim White there. So I'm glad that he's still with the company and he's still doing uh, what he loves. But yeah, he's definitely one of my favorite refs. So we went over favorite. Is there somebody that you can think of that you're just not a fan of as a referee? Uh, let me think about this really quick. Um, not favorites. Uh, I, okay, definitely Nick Patrick. Uh, never really liked the guy. Uh, from WCW, then he had a little, you know, a little short stint in the WWE. Never cared for him. 
You know, it just, I don't know, never really liked him. He got too much into the storylines, I think, back then, and I don't know, it just kind of ruined it for me in a way. So, uh, never, never, not a really big fan of his, not at all, yeah. That is a valid point. <laughs> that is, a, yeah, uh, I, the one that I'm not a huge fan of, and it's almost for the same exact reason, he was in ECW, he was an old WWF ref as well, um, and that would be Bill Alfonso. Uh, he used to be RVD and Sabu's manager, and he oh, constantly went around. Yeah, yeah. That's in my he head, used to be a referee, and I'm I'm not. I was just never got into Bill Alfonso, and uh, so for that reason and that reason alone, I would have to put him on my least favorite referee list. Uh, Jonathan, though, I just want to go back really quick as an honorable mention uh, as one of my favorite referees who really didn't have that much of a long stint, uh, but that was Joey Morella. Uh, you remember Joey Morella, right? Yes, that is Gorilla Monsoon's son, and I don't remember what legend was talking about it, but someone said, I actually think it was Piper, possibly, that said that one day he uh, he went back in the locker room and Joey Morella was duct taped to the floor as uh, as a rib that somebody had done. So, um, you know, the locker room was wild back then. But yeah, he I he was in the the era of the uh, bow tie and blue shirt. So that is uh, he, he definitely sticks out to me. And- uh, he didn't have too much of the spotlight back then. But, you know, uh, you know, like I said, you know, he was the son of the late Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, I don't know. He was just. I don't know. He, I always enjoyed him uh, watching him ref. You know what I mean? Like I never hated the guy. It was just entertaining to as part of the matches. So uh, unfortunately, you know, he died at the age of 31 uh, in a in a car accident. So unfortunately, you know, we didn't get to see too much of uh, what he had. But uh, definitely, uh, an honorable mention, one of my favorite referees uh, of all time. And uh, yeah, I I really wish that that hadn't happened to him. And uh, I think he would have went on to be a, a really awesome ref. Well, it's one of these things, and I have to say it, the referee is a very important part of the professional wrestling match. He's the third man. He's keeping the law and order out there. Without the ref, it would just be utter chaos. Uh, I want to thank Jack Doan for stopping by and talking with us today. I also want to thank you know any of the past referees that we've talked to and any of the referees that we'll talk to in the future for you know getting in there and mixing it up with these guys. And, Steve, we talk about this all the time. You're listening to the show right now. Do us a favor. Get on Facebook.com slash Another Wrestling Podcast. We have exclusives on there. We have exclusives on YouTube. We break news sometimes on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, you can follow us. These are all the places that you can keep up with us, and I implore all of you to do so. That's right, guys. And, hey, you know, uh, you heard what we were talking about today, that wrestling rules... And uh, the wrestling rules of, uh, you know, the pro wrestling uh, that we love. But, guys, uh, we, we talked a little bit about some rules. I'm, I'm sure, Jonathan, we left tons out that someone's going to, you know, message us about that. Hey, you didn't talk about this. Hey, you didn't talk about that. But that's what we want. We want we kind of want to get you guys uh, involved. So let us know what we didn't talk about that maybe you think is really important that we left out. Um, that's the whole interaction part, guys. So you email us, tweet us, Facebook us, uh, anything you want. Let us know, and we'll get back to you. And, uh... You know, that's how the show, uh, you're the glue to our show. So we, we keep it going around in the social media universe. And uh, hey, guys, I know we touched on this subject, but maybe we'll touch on it later on down the road and uh, let us know what we left out that you want to hear next time. So. That's the show for today. We want to thank you all for listening. Each 
and every week we do the show free of charge for you, the fans. Now, if you're wondering how to repay us for all this amazing content, we have just the thing. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, be sure to rate us and give us a good review. And if you're looking for more information about AWP, then head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. We're all over social media, Jonathan. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Just Google it. And if you're an AWP super fan, you can also show your support by going over to prowrestlingtees.com and buying one of our official AWP shirts. Also, you can find out how to sponsor us if you feel so inclined, you can find out all that information on our website as well. That's right. We couldn't do the show without any of you. So tune in next week for <sighs> another wrestling podcast. <sighs>